we got up and we hugged under a tree and we hugged really, really, really tight. And we felt the leaves and the wind hitting us and falling on us. And I could feel Val. And when he's hugging me, he tells me, I can feel her right now. This is the first time that I feel a little bit of peace in my heart. He told me, thank you, thank you. And I go, I feel, I feel better too. I, I had to meet you. And we cried. We let each other go. The next time we went to court, we saw each other. We weren't allowed to talk. So we just looked at each other. You got this, you got this. And that was it. one person actually make a difference in unifying the entire world? What are some tools I can use to live a life of more freedom? These are just some of the concepts you'll hear about in every episode of See One Beautiful Soul. Well, this definitely has to be one of the most important episodes of See One Beautiful Soul. Thanks for joining us. My name is Barbara Heller. If you're just checking in for the first time, please follow us. Please Rate a little review on Spotify, iTunes, Chartable. There's lots of places where you can leave little reviews about our show and also share it with somebody that matters to you. Uh, this episode touches on a couple of really important issues. Number one being teenagers and how we're raising them, the behaviors we are uh, modeling for them, how we treat enemies of teenagers, quote unquote, and also how we forgive when the absolutely unexplainable and quote-unquote unforgivable happens. I am joined today by a heroine, a superhero uh, to every degree, and I can't wait for you to meet Lily. And also, if you know someone who has been affected by careless driving, drunk driving, driving under the influence of different addictions, um, please let us know. Lily may actually come to your school slash community, a spiritual community to speak. She's always looking for people who have been through the most difficult situations and educating about how to prevent them in the future. So you can find her at streetracingkills.org. That's three separate words, streetracingkills.org. You can also DM me or DM her on her Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Barbie Heller, B-A-R-B-I-E-H-E-L-L-E-R. Please join me there for some inspiring, sometimes funny, and touching content. Speaking of my own content, I am actually bringing a course to you guys, if you would like. Uh, it starts September 8th, officially, and you can go to barbheller.com backslash join to join me. And if you want to book a 30-minute free coaching Feel free as long as they are still available. You can book it on my schedule, which is calendly.com backslash making space for the magical. You can also find it on my link tree, which is all over my website, barbheller.com. And if you go to coaching right there, you can just click on book a coaching with me. And there's different options. The 30 minutes for right now are free, um, but the hour, one hour is uh for a cost. So you can see it right there on the website. I look forward to speaking with you guys. I look forward to having you guys in my class. And if you want to join my free community on Facebook, it's under groups on Facebook at break open and create. Enjoy. Lily. So good to meet you. I'm so grateful you're here. Um, I watched 
some videos on your story online. I'm, I'm so moved that you could share your story that you are now an advocate uh, for safety and for living intentionally. And there's so many things I want to ask you, but I want to start by having you just give our listeners a little background. You were, you were born in Mexico. You mm-hmm. came to this country pretty young, got married very young. And yeah. there's your dog in the background. Uh, so I was married uh, really young. I was 21. And all of a sudden, um, my marriage just came to an end. I have been 17 years and I ended up having to get divorced. It was hard at the beginning because all I knew was being married, you know, being just a housewife. I didn't have to work. And I started my life all over again. You know, I went right away to college immediately. I wanted to always be an interpreter. So I became an interpreter. And it was just so beautiful being in UCLA as an adult, not as a young uh, right out of high school. It was actually, I enjoyed it. I think think even more than they were enjoying it, I was enjoying it uh, with all my peeps that were all through an extension program. And I became an interpreter and I started working. Being just a a single mom, got an amazing job right away as an interpreter for a hernia surgeon in Beverly Hills. Even though I had to travel an hour to get there every morning, it was like nothing, you know. It was just the fact that I could make my own money. And live paycheck to paycheck, it didn't matter. I was able to provide, you know, a good home for my kids. And I didn't want to move from time. I wanted them to stay in the same schools they grew up to. So I managed to stay without having to move to a different area. Even though we moved like three, four times. <laughs> and uh, we, we managed to stay. And I was able to support my kids. Never, ever thinking that any, any tragedy was going to ever, you know, touch my life. And then your mom passed away first mm-hmm. in January. Mm-hmm. And then in December of that same year, your brother passed away. My brother, yeah, the same year of 2009. It was my mom first, and she was really sick. It caught us by surprise. She didn't want to tell anybody that she was sick. She actually had cancer. Typical Latina mom. Don't worry about me. I'm okay. So not going to make anybody suffer, which we were very upset, but that was her decision. We wish we could have known. So it was from one day to another. And then my brother, all of a sudden, too, really sick, ended up in the hospital. And then three years later, my dad had also passed away. But I was like, okay, you know, three is a charm, right? That's enough, right? This is it. The last thing I was would have ever thought is that my daughter was going to pass away. The, the, that was the last thing that I, would, I wouldn't even think about it. I was upset inside and, and uh, we had all this death in our family, but I was able to handle it. I was able to handle all the funerals. And, your mom, uh, your brother, your dad. But then how many months family. after your dad passed did, did your daughter pass? Uh, a year after. A year after. And how did it happen? So Valentina was 16 years old and uh, uh, she was having an amazing life, I think. <laughs> Everybody tells me right now that she had so much fun in high school. And I could see it because she changed from being a freshman to a junior. All of a sudden she was just a junior and she was so popular and she had friends and loved her friends. Um, she had a strong opinion about everything. Uh, she had a very, very strong character, very Italian, you know. Very strong. She looked like me, but she acted more like her dad. <laughs> She's Italian, right? Yeah, That's Italian. A combo Mexican. Yes, and- yeah. So she was a little firecracker, and um, her personality was amazing and uh, very cravy, like I am. When I crave something, I want to eat it, and that day or the next day, I want to know what I'm going to eat the next day. I feel like I'm pregnant all my life, and and she was the same way. She was very crazy, like she was craving this, and we had to get her. She would get crabby. So she was really, really, she was a teenager. And um, uh, there was one day that she wanted to go spend it at her best friend's house. And I said, sure, why not? You know, they usually would spend it at her house. Or she would spend it at her house. 
And uh, most of her friends were uh, had divorced parents. They were just like me without meaning to those were her friends. And I remember a summer where two of her best friends were the whole summer in my house, you know, and they were like, uh, and I only had a one bedroom with a king bed where we were all sleeping in the same room. I have three teenagers in my room and I would come back home and go to sleep. And I had nacho cheese on my butt, you know, because they were eating the bed, <laughs> go under the bed and the like Taco Bell wraps, you know. Then there was a sheet over the uh, the the window because they call it the woman cave. And I mean, you tell me that room was a mess, a mess. And because we live close to the beach, so it was like, as I was coming back from work, pick us up at the beach, pick us up at the beach, and then then feed us all. And I had to feed them all, you know. And then there was one that liked to eat a lot too. She would get always the. I had one that liked salad, and I had one that just liked a lot the rice and the beans and whatever. And then I had Valentina that was simple with a burrito, but it was always. Um, I was happy just to have them all at home. It was fun to have it, these little teenage girls are just amazing. They're the cutest thing, you know. I, I just love their personalities, and they're so cute. And um, I think you're the only mom that's ever said that to me. And I've been teaching for 25 years. <laughs> I've never <laughs> had somebody say teenage girls. They're just so adorable. adorable. <laughs> but I, I agree. Teenagers. I, I'm the so defender. Fun. You know, there. I have a, a one of my volunteers. He's an, an, an autistic uh, kid. He's in his 30, but he's like a young guy. And he calls me Mother Lily. It's the most the cutest thing. And I go, why you call me Mother Lily? He goes, because you're a mother. You're Mother Lily. He's just so cute. And uh, um, and then that my husband calls me Mother Lily because I am very motherly with uh, with young people. I became more motherly when everything happened to me. Um, wow. it happened and that's, I want to mm-hmm. put a pin in that because that's not normal. A lot of people don't rise up to the occasion. When Mm -hmm. tragedy strikes, generally people get scared and they shut down. But to Mm -hmm. become more motherly, to become more nurturing when you need nurturing, that's, let's get into that in a second. So hang on one second. You said something about a sheet and then I couldn't hear you. So it sounded like you said. So they put a sheet over the window, the girls. So when I came to the room, it was all dark and they call it the woman cave. They yeah, called it the women's cave. I thought you said something cave. about the colors of the. Oh women. no, no, the women's cave because it was there where they were, and it was. You have no idea what my room looked like. It was chaos. I mean, uh, I don't know if you want to put this in there, but I remember one day I was like I was out of underwear because they were even wearing my underwear, and I was like, oh, oh Alisa, borrow your underwear. And I'm like, why is she wearing my g strings? What are you talking about? These girls were total little terrors. And then she's like, I need a baby. I need a, a, a quinceañera, and I need to go and you to buy me a dress. I go buy her a dress and I come back from work. I don't wait to pick them up. And Valentina is wearing a, dress, a cocktail dress that was mine. Her best friend went another cocktail dress. And that dress that I bought, they didn't wear it. For that particular quinceañera, they didn't wear it. So I'm telling you, but Valentina, look, she rocked that dress better than I would ever rock it. She was adorable. So she just looked really cute in it. And she had my high heels on. It was a lot of fun seeing her become a teenager, a woman. It was just, uh, I was really, really enjoying it, you know, and uh, to see that part of her, you know, uh, everything, I mean, about her. And uh, at the same time, I was trying to be strict because she wanted to do so much. You know, she was so f- full of life and wanted to just go here, go there, go to this party, go over here, spend the night. My party, I want I wanna, I want a suite at the Marriott for my birthday, you know, and then uh, my brother will give it to her. You know, here all these teenagers at the Marriott, you know, having fun in a suite, you know. So it's uh, 
she wanted to do a lot. She was she was really really en- enjoying life, not ever thinking that, like I said, that something was ever going to happen to her. Like all teenagers, never think nothing's going to happen to them, you know, because they're they're so innocent, you know, at that point. And so you only had one child at this point, or you have more? Both. So my firstborn was Luca, my son, and then uh, five years later I had Valentina. Okay, and so. You have these two kids mm-hmm. and Valentina is 16 and it's yes. the summer. And what took us through what happened? So she asked me to spend at her best friend's house. And I said, yes, um, I picked her up. But when I picked her up, things changed. She's like, can you please take us first to another girlfriend's house? Because she is alone. She's feeling sick and we're just going to go there and cook. And then from there, we're going to get picked up. So I assumed uh, the girl that she was going to spend the night out, her name is Massey. I, th- I thought Massey's mom was going to, because that's what we would do, you know, between moms. She's going to pick her up. I didn't know that uh, Ezra called them because she didn't want to go alone to a party that her cousin invited her to. And she decided, well, let me invite them. That was, I'm not alone. I don't know who knows what's going to be there. So they said, sure, why not? Let's go to that party. Cl- it was really, really actually close to where Massey lived to spend the night in the city of Wilmington. So they decided to do that. And I dropped them off. When I dropped off Valentina, and this is part of the whole, how everything develops, I really, really felt a lot of love for her. It was a whole overwhelming feeling of the most immense love, like when she was born. And I saw her standing there and I was like, I got teary-eyed and I was thinking, oh my gosh, she has such a beautiful life. I'm her personal Uber. I take her everywhere. I pick her up. You know, I wish I had that when I was growing up. I had to take the bus. You know, wherever I had to go, I had to take the bus. So I I really um, thought I was just being emotional. So I went home and then... um, uh, I still text her and say, are you sure you don't want to come and spend the night? Which I never really did that, you know. It was like, you know, but she was like, no, 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 it's okay. I'm going to spend the night at uh, uh, Nassie's. So her girlfriend, the, uh, Ezra, calls a friend of hers, a male friend, to pick him up. And he picked him up and took him to the party. At the party, there was a lot of alcohol and drugs, the party that they went to. And uh, Ezra ended up getting really sick and she's a diabetic. So whatever she took, maybe got her. So Valentina was taking care of her. Massey was taking care of her. And they're like, let's just call it a night. So he took them home. He was taking first Valentina and Massey so they could spend the night. And he was going to take Ezra. They was really sick. She was completely out of it. She was so sick. Um, At this time, I'm sleeping. She would always call me. She would always tell me where she was. She would always uh, text me. And uh, I w- I literally went to sleep waiting for her to tell me I'm, a ho- I'm home. You know, I just fell asleep. And uh, phone call wakes me up and telling me, hurry up, hurry up and get here. Uh, Valentina was in a crash. And um, I got up our way. I got my son and we went where they told me to go. There was um, just yellow tape all around. And they didn't tell me anything, just that I had to go to a hospital. I went to the hospital. And when I got to that hospital, they actually, um, her best friend was, you know, with an IV with her mom crying. And I get there and I'm like, where's Valentina? I'm thinking she's in another room, in the emergency room. 
And she just yelling at me, tells me, Valentina died. And I remember just collapsing to the floor. But now I didn't faint. I think it was the shock. And I was twitching on the floor. Then my son picks me up. And I'm walking and I just, I'm like, no, no. I go, they have it wrong. There were more kids in the car. Maybe she's in another hospital. And I remember my son telling me, I got this one. I got this one. I got it. He knew what I had been through the other, with the other three people that had passed away. And uh, they told us to go into a room. And then they told us that I had to go home because the police wanted to talk to me. So I am thinking the police wants to talk to me because uh, they're going to tell me she's in another, in another hospital, you know. And um, I go home and they, uh, that's what they told me. They, uh, they told me to have a seat and um, I fell off my seat. And the last thing I remember is um, my son looking at the police officer's telephone number, nodding his head, yes, which means he was identifying his dead sister. And he took that for me. He, he, he had to take that for me. And um, I'll never forget. And uh, I, it would always upset me that, that he had to, because that's not the last image I have of her. That's the last image as a brother, his little sister, to see something you love so much that in the crash, I don't even uh, uh, know how I couldn't take that for him. And I didn't. So it's one of the things that I have talked to him about now. And he's so sweet. He's like, it's okay, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm okay now. I apologize a lot to him whether I wasn't there for him because I lost it. He had to be there for me because I, he had to call all the family. He had to call everything, make arrangements. I mean, he literally grew up five more years from being 22 year old, like my baby, you know, still like a teenager. He had to just get it together because his mom was out of it. So um, it took me a while to, to, to find out what killed her. I just knew it was a crash. And then one day I am finally going back to work. I don't know if it was a month or two. And I could hear this noise, like, like a, something was following me, like a, like a real, like a dragon. Like, shh, shh. And I'm like, I look and I look down and I was dragging my feet. I, have you ever heard you're dragging your feet? You know, I was literally dragging my feet. I went into my office by lunch. I just wanted to get out of there. I left, I went in a parking lot where under the Beverly Center, which is covered, one of the floors. And I just sat there with this feeling that I had never felt before. It was a very different feeling when my mom, my brother, and my dad passed away. I couldn't, I couldn't. It was like something was just, my soul was just ripped from inside me. It was like, I was like, well, this is how you feel to be dead inside. But you're alive and there's nothing you can do about it. And I just kept touching, you know, the um, the seat where she would always be next to me when I would take her to school, where we would argue, we would get mad at each other, when I would reprehend her, when she would reprehend me, we would tell her I love you and then I can't stand you. When she, when I was the worst mother in the world when she was like, just got to school, you know, those things that, that you don't even, you take for granted. And... Um, the feeling in my body was different. I could feel every part of my body. I could feel it on my skin. I could feel my hands being attached to my arms, my nails being attached to my fingers. Everything was throbbing. And um, I sit there and I said to myself, 
what killed her. And I read the report. And that's when I saw that on the way home, when he was taking her home, he saw a co-worker driving by. They looked at each other. They stopped side by side. He pulled the window down, and that's what woke up Massey because she was right behind them, and Valentina was right next to her in the back seat. Both girls without their seatbelt on. They were only a couple of blocks away from the party and uh, challenged each other to the race. He takes off. He was going so fast, over 80, that she got scared and put her seatbelt on and tried waking up Valentina to put her seatbelt on, but Valentina woke up and told her, like, why? Not knowing the danger that she was in. It was too late. He crashed against an SUV and then against the fence. And um, when her best friend woke up, Valentina was hanging from the window. Um, I knew then that Sweet Race killed her. I knew there that it wasn't because she went to a party. I knew there that it wasn't because I was a good or a bad mom, that she was a bad or a good teenager. I knew if he doesn't take the challenge of the race, she would be walking this earth with me. I knew it. And I also knew that feeling inside because the pain was so, so just alive in me. It was just like so surreal that I said, I'm in a movie. This is not real. This is a movie. And I said, I'm going to do everything possible to prevent any parent to ever, ever lose a child. Everything that I can, I will do. And I'm not kidding you as I said that I heard this cling, and I I had an earring that they those earrings that they have the little hook all the way down on the other side, and I look in my hands, and I have that that earring in my hand, and I just held that earring and I said, I know you're with me, and we're gonna do this. We are gonna be together, and. God is going to find a way of keeping us together forever. I don't know how. Within months, by May, because she passed away in December, by May, I was asked to speak at a school. And I got there with my dad's daughter poster in my hand. And the guy tells me he was going to help me put the poster up in the, at the assembly at the gym. And he goes, oh, you are our speaker for today. And I was like, no, I didn't consider myself a speaker. Never heard of speakers, I think. And um, I got there and there was a woman speaking about alcohol and a man speaking about drugs. And I was the last one. And they had tissues for me and everything ready for me. I spoke like I have never spoken before. Like if I was a professional, I had kids crying. The first thing I asked was, who knew Valentina? And all these hands were raised. Who knew of the crash? His hand got raised. Who here wants to drive one day? And all the hands were raised. And after I was done, they what had did you say? Who, who, who here wants to try one day? Drive. Drive. One drive. Day. Be a driver. And everybody raised their hand. And after I was done, I went to my therapist because, of course, I was going to therapy. And she told me, Lily, you're smiling today. And I'm like, what? She goes, why are you smiling today? You're rosy on your cheeks. And I said, 
you know what, I think I just found a way of keeping her with me. And that's how another school, I had a, a PowerPoint. The next school, I had a logo. The next school, I had a name from my organization. And then I never thought it was going to grow the way it has. <laughs> it's crazy. And it just kept growing and growing, creating programs. I found out that there's no driver's education anymore in uh, California schools. I don't know why they would take that away. I'm still fighting for it to bring it back. I had to create programs because with the name that I gave to my, to my organization, Street Racing Kills was not a very appealing name. I didn't sugarcoat it. And um, I didn't name it something cute, like we save lives or, um, I don't know, don't speed. I don't know. I just named it what killed her. And uh, it was hard. But uh, I created programs so I could get in. I invited other nonprofits to come with me so we could talk about everything because they thought that the kids don't race. They thought, and I told them, my daughter was not even driving. She was in the, you know, in the back seat being a ride home. And uh, it just kept growing from there, kept creating one program after another and um, becoming such a, a, an advocate, learning, meeting people that have lost someone and trying to help them and um, helping people go through the court system because I was very much railroaded. I didn't know what to do. So now I help people that are gonna go to court and what their rights are, what they should look for, uh, what to expect, what not to expect. I'll be there for them. I'll stand there next to them and I'll support them. And I've been doing that. If they allow me to be there, it's not easy because they're grieving. So sometimes I lose this lady that wants to be here with me. And some are very open arms and I'm there for them. I'm there for everything that uh, that happened to me that I want to happen to them before and after. So how do you start to forgive this teenage boy who made a really bad decision? Uh, that, that, I had that question being asked to me many times. And I don't think that's a question for me. I think that's a question to Valentina, if she will forgive him for taking her life, for taking her out of this world. Because... I will be a hypocrite if I can tell you 100% I forgive him for taking my daughter, for making a dumb decision, for being an immature kid, for, for I know 100% that he didn't wake up that morning saying I'm going to kill a friend. But um, I will be, I, it's a question that I have asked myself a lot and I don't even know how to answer it because I've said before, oh yeah, I forgave him. And then sometimes I find myself, why did you do that? Why did you take her from this world? So I said, you know what? I think she should be the one to answer that question, not me. So that's why I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be a hypocrite because sometimes I, I honestly feel like, you know, I feel for him because he has to live with this for the rest of his life. I don't know what his life is. And at the same time, I'm like, okay. And then at the next day, I can be in a bad day being upset uh, because of what, because he, that decision that he made. And even though I know it was, you might call it an innocent decision from a teenager. So I focus myself more in making sure that no teenager makes that decision. Right. So it's a process, right? Forgiveness is a process. I mm -hmm. thank God have not, I think there's levels of um, mm -hmm. degrees of how painful the things that we are each asked to forgive are. are. Mm -hmm. um, my friend, Lisa, recently lost her 16 year old son and I'm sorry <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel for both of you and um mm -hmm. last Yom Kippur he came to visit me while I was praying mm -hmm. I'm Jewish 
Yes. Uh-huh. I felt him behind me and I, mm-hmm. it was so honored that he came to visit me. Yeah. Yeah. Because he knows so many people and I'm just one of the many, 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 many friends mm-hmm. mom has. His mom is like you. She has friends wherever she goes. He was also hit by um, oh. a driver, hit and run. Mm-hmm. Different situation. He was just walking down the street and he had a slow death, many periods oh. of. Uh, I'll introduce you guys. I think you would probably, she's also in California. I think you could really help each other heal. Mm-hmm. But she is one of those exquisite people like yourself who decided mm-hmm. to get up and do something with the pain. And instead of bowing down to the pain, she has purpose. This is Jerry Lynch. No, her name is uh, Lisa Arnold. Okay. But. Mm-hmm. There's a guy, Azim Kamisa, if you heard the first episode of my podcast, he um, had a son who was 21, I believe, 20 or 21. Mm-hmm. And he was shot with one bullet by a random act of gang violence by a 14-year-old who was trying to get into a gang by an 18-year-old. Wow. And <laughs> what he chose to do, and I'm only telling you this because it's just mm-hmm. an interesting story and I don't know yeah. how he found mm-hmm. the strength, but he also felt all of your reactions are very similar in the very mm-hmm. beginning. He fell yeah. to the ground. He couldn't stand up. He couldn't mm-hmm. get up for nine months, but yeah. it's a wonderful episode to listen to because oh, his, I will. Mm-hmm. his courage is like mm-hmm. yours. It's through the roof. I, I can't begin to understand or comprehend how you guys get up mm-hmm. and do what you do. Mm-hmm. But what, what the way he looks at it, and this is why he was my first guest, because when I heard the story, I was like, I need him first. <laughs> <laughs> um, he chose to forgive the killer. Mm-hmm. The killer was in jail for 15 years. He, he was 14 when he went in. Oh, wow. Lived more than half of his life again, his whole entire life in jail and then he was able to get out and now he and Azim speak all over the world about youth violence together that's amazing that's what I wanted to but I, so, I didn't get that <laughs> okay so, so here here's here's my proposal and you could tell me Barb you're mm-hmm. you're naive and I'm hanging up and I will totally <laughs> but what this morning when I I thought to myself oh my gosh I'm so lucky I get to interview Lily mm-hmm. my first thought I always ask God and I know you believe in God, it's very obvious. I said, what should I ask her first? <laughs> I didn't ask you it right away because I was really nervous to ask you. And I'm, I'm shaking as I say this, <laughs> but I, I would really be mad at myself if I didn't ask you. Mm-hmm. Purpose of my, you know, my podcast is forgiveness and freedom and tools mm-hmm. to live a, a happier, healthier life mm-hmm. and how to deal with failure. And I have this crazy notion and I am crazy, I know, because I'm not normal. This is not a normal thing. <laughs> um, that when we forgive, then we allow God to do the karma. <laughs> because when we hold on to anger or frustration, and I cannot imagine what you must go through every day. Please, God, don't test me. <laughs> like, there's some people, they're just superheroes. You're a superhero. You have a cape right here. If you put your hands <laughs> here, you're going to find one. I don't have a cape. You know, I'm just, I don't have one yet. I hope I don't have to have one. But the point is that if you were to live in a world where you could speak with the person who did it, Mm -hmm. my question is, 
What is the real reason that killed her? Because to me, it wasn't the decision to get Mm -hmm. in the car. It was, this is how I see all things. Mm -hmm. Who feels so lousy about themselves Mm -hmm. that when they look to their left and they see another car and they think, oh, that would be fun. Mm -hmm. That will make me feel purpose. I will just put all of my friends and myself in danger. Right. Mm -hmm. To me, and I'm going to answer my own question and then I want you to respond when you, if you want to. Mm -hmm. The problem we're facing at this moment as a nation, as a world, is that we have literally lost our minds. We are (laughs) seeking pleasure over purpose so much and the dopamine from the phone and the rush Mm -hmm. and the fast that we've literally lost consciousness over what is really important. And it Mm -hmm. sounds like you have created this wonderful Mm -hmm. platform to get people to be more conscious, but does it ever come up in your speaking in the questions that you get from the kids or the parents or the suffering and the grieving? Mm -hmm. Like, what are we really trying to fix? So Mm -hmm. those are my two questions. How do you go? How do you go about forgiving this person? Mm -hmm. And Number two, what is it that really killed her? What is the thing that we really have to fix so that no one actually ever even thinks, oh, I'll just do this thing because it'll be fun? Well, uh, definitely. The, uh, that's why I educate. Uh, I think that um, educating our future drivers is a, most, is a must educate, educate them and uh, not just lecture them, but uh, touch them with your heart. And all my speakers are victim speakers. They all have gone through something. I also have the other side of the coin. One of my speakers actually went to jail when he was 18, and now he is 40. And uh, same thing, he was chasing his girlfriend, and she ended up crashing. Uh, and uh, she survived, but the two girls in the back, one passed away and one ended up in a wheelchair. And uh, they gave him, you know, 22 years in prison. So I have him talking to the kids. So I like to bring both sides of the, of the story. And uh, I believe that education is a must SMS, uh, I, m- m- we do a lot of reenactments, same scenarios, the same thing. I put two girls in the back seat. There, I put chairs, like there are cars, four chairs over here, four chairs over here, and they have to challenge each other. To, I have even the steering wheels to make it fun for them. And um, the girl has to say, uh, protect herself and defend her life and say, how can she get out of the car? Because in Valentina's case, nobody did anything. You know, the girl that saw the whole thing didn't even tell him to stop. Uh, Valentina didn't have her seatbelt on, so I told him, yeah, put your seatbelt on, even in the back seat. So we talk about, I think, all that safety and all those scenarios and uh, teaching them how to respect their life while they're at the wheel. And if they're not being respected, the driver is not respecting your life or his life, then you have to get out of the car. And things that you can do uh, to protect yourself. So I feel like education, uh, that's why driver's education is so important, but Driver's education from a point of a victim stand of view, you know, example, sample. Like my daughter is, is an example that she didn't choose to be, but she is. And one of the things that I like to share with you that I didn't share before, for some reason we skipped this, but I wanted to meet the driver that killed my daughter because I didn't know him. And this was very soon after she passed away, like within a month. And because uh, I knew that court was coming. And I had gone to court the first day. And I didn't know who he was. I just went there like a rag doll. I didn't know I was going. They just took me there. 
and I saw his parents. And his parents, the mom didn't speak uh, English. She only spoke Spanish, but it was okay. So they told me, can we talk to you? And I went there. And the mother crying told me, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I hugged her and I was crying. And then she told me, I hope that uh, we'll pray that God will give you another child. So I cried even more because I was like, okay, well, it's a puppy. I can just replace it with another child. Um, so I just cried more. And then the father hugged me. No, 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 no. It's okay. I'm so sorry. You know, forgive my wife. You know, she's just very upset that her son is going to be going to jail, you know, because of what happened. And she doesn't want to lose her son. Uh, so I am crying. He's crying. And he goes, I really hope that the money from the insurance company will help you in feeling better. So I'm crying again, right? I just think that way. That's why I always say when someone's grieving the loss of a child, just don't say anything because there's nothing you can say. Even, even like tell, this is the only time that when they tell you, oh, it'll get better one day with time. No, not when you lose a child, it'll never ever get better. So it's, I even like sometimes when I know somebody, I'll just hug him. I never even say, I'm sorry for your love. I just don't say nothing. I just have to hug and give him lots of love because I know that... It's, you know, anyway, so uh, the next trial is when I wanted to meet him. And I asked a friend of a friend to help me. And we made a, a, a little, um, you know, a deal on how I could. And I told them, I don't want to talk to the parents. They tortured me enough one day. and <laughs> didn't know what to do. So um, we met at a park. I'm sitting in a bench and this is tall, skinny kid with his cap on backwards. And he comes and he sits next to me. He goes, hi, and I'm like, hi. And he said, my name is Brian. And I'm like, I know, not Brian, I've never met you before. He goes, well, I kind of was friends with her. We used to text sometimes. And I one day I took her home because they were at my house for a party. I know where you live. He goes, yeah, we were not best friends, but we knew other people, you know. And she will always make me feel better with a text that she would send me when I was having problems. And I'm like, okay. And he says, I know there's nothing I can tell you. About what happened? He says, but I'm looking at you and you're wearing her plug. And there was, Valentina was stretching her ears, so I had it on a chain. And I go, yeah, this is her plug. Will you want it? And he's like, no, keep it. He said, but do you know what it feels that nobody wants to talk to you? And everybody hates you? And everybody wants to kill you? I didn't get to have nothing of her. I couldn't go to the funeral because I knew people wanted to kick my ass. He says, do you know what it feels to have to stay home because of you're afraid to go out and you find out who your real friends are? I have no friends, very few. So I have to stay with my parents. And um, he said, I just want to tell you that I'm going to accept everything, everything that they're accusing me for and more. I'm just going to go ahead and down. Uh, I've been advised by my attorney that it's bad if I just accept to even things that I don't even think I did. And I'm like, okay. And we got up and we hugged under a tree. And we hugged really, really, really tight. And we felt the leaves and the wind hitting us and falling on us. And I could feel Val. And when he's hugging me, he tells me, I can feel her right now. This is the first time that I feel a little bit of peace in my heart. He told me, thank you, thank you. 
And I go, I feel, I feel better too. I, I had to meet you. And we cried. We let each other go. The next time we went to court, we saw each other. We weren't allowed to talk. So we just looked at each other. You got this. You got this. And that was it. I gave my victim statement. I, the parents were giving me dirty looks the whole time. And I said, um, thank you, Your Honor. And I hope that you um, make sure there's consequences. I go, because this is the only way that other adolescents would learn. And um, they'll get to see him one day. They can write to him and they can visit him. I hope I see my daughter when I die. That's my only hope. And I left. Seven, month later, seven months later, he was out in good behavior. He was supposed to do a year only because adolescents, that's how much they gave him for manslaughter. Um, and he, even though he turned 18, he had a really good attorney. He got tried as a, as a teenager. And um, when he got out, I said, okay, I want to talk to him. I already had the nonprofit. I said, he's going to come speaking with me. He's going to be there with me. And I was like, yay, you know. Finally, I get to talk to him, and he was a different person. He was mad. He was angry. He didn't come out the same. And this is why I do what I do, because I know that their life can change like this once they go to jail. And he only went to juvenile camp, not even real prison. And um, he was very upset about me having the nonprofit. There was no way he was ever going to speak with me. My little dreams came crushing. <laughs> and um, a year later, I went to speak at a school, not knowing that it was his little brother's school. And there were posters all over that say street racing kills, street racing kills, street racing kills, live for Val. And um, he called me. And I said, oh, I didn't know that your brother, you know, uh, you know, that your brother went to the school. And then he's like, well, I want to talk to you because I think that um, that she was standing and, and, and they're the ones that shouldn't have laid her down. And he just... She wasn't hanging out the window. So he started talking about the crash, the crash, the crash, about what he thought it was the crash. So much that I started feeling like throwing up. I started getting really sick. And uh, he goes, please come and see me. I want to talk to you. And her best friend was with me. And she's like, Lily, do not go. Lily, do not go. I was being a police officer to give him some awareness flyers. And he looked at me. He says, Lily, you're white as a ghost. What's wrong with you? And I said, you know what? I've been talking to, you know, the driver that, that killed Val, and um, I'm just feeling really sick. I don't know. And she goes, do you want to put a restraining order? And I was like, no, 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 no. I go, let me just text them. And I told them, do your life. Be happy with your life. You have a child now, because he got his girlfriend pregnant before even going to, you know, to do his time. And uh, well, you have a child to live for. You live with your parents. You have a beautiful life ahead of you. Your parents support you in anything that you're doing with your life. I said, please do your life and please don't call me because that affects me so much, you know? And I just felt like throwing up because he kept telling me that she was standing and that the police laid her down and they're the ones that, that the police and the paramedics are the ones that killed her because they shouldn't have let her down. So I looked at the report that night and I see she was hanging from the window, partially ejected from the window because she was standing. I had to call one of my police officer friends from the street racing task force. And he was so kind to tell me, Lily, and this is at midnight, read me, send me pictures of the report. So I sent him pictures of the report. He goes, do you know there's three, three pages missing? And I'm like, no. He goes, those are the pages that they didn't give you because those are the pictures of the crash. 
He says, so they spared you from that. Would you like me to look at them? And I was, please look at them for me. I need to know if she was standing, like he's telling me, because he was, it was torture. Like it was torturing me to know that my daughter was alive when she got out of it and they laid her and they're the ones that killed her, you know? And uh, I needed to know as painful as it was. So I waited like to me, it felt like hours when it was probably a couple of minutes. Gets back to me really quiet and goes, Lily. And I go, yeah, he goes, I'm so sorry to tell you, looking at the pictures right now, there's no way Valentina could have been standing. She's hanging from the window. And if it makes you feel anything, she must have died from her head injuries really fast. She was gone. And um, there was a lot of blood. And no, there's no way, Lily. She was hanging from the window. So at that point, um, I called the coroner's office. I used to call the coroners at least every two years. I haven't called them in a while. They knew who I was. And they always, you know, referred to me that, that she passed away from her head injuries. They always told me, how much do you want to know? And then one, the last coroner I talked to was amazing. He just told me, you want to know if she suffered, didn't you? And I'm like, yeah. And then he told me, when... The brain receives so much trauma, which she did by hitting herself in so much. It sends a signal. It starts bleeding. Yeah. He says, and it stops the heart. He goes, so if you weren't worrying about that, she died from her head injuries. So bittersweet, right? Uh, But yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why we have never spoken again and why I don't know. Yeah. Because at the beginning, I kind of like forgave him. You know what I mean? And then that time has passed. It's almost been eight years. And then, like I said, sometimes I'm good. Yeah, I would love for him to come and speak with me. Sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, why did you make that decision? Why did you do that? You know, and the, not cursing him, just like, oh, my gosh. I'm, on, I'm not going to let any 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 other you, young person make that decision. Right. From the little that I'm hearing about his parents and how they treated you, and how they spoke even afterwards and how he spoke. And he didn't, it sounds like when you met in that park that day, he was really being a teenager. He didn't even talk, ask you how you were doing. It sounded no, like- No, it was about how he was, he grabbed me like a mom. Right, because he needed one. But yeah. I'm very curious to hear how Azim would approach this, <laughs> how my friend Lisa would approach this, because I'm interested in how do I help you heal? Forget about him. How do you in this moment get to look at this incredible puzzle of God gave me this piece and this piece and this piece and all of it needs healing. It's not like my, my daughter passed away that in itself is like an entire puzzle, but then you have all these other pieces and what we're trying to do together, you, me, and everyone else who cares about this world really cares about making the world better, like really better Mm -hmm. is not to stop people from driving mm-hmm. or making the bad decisions once they're in the car. We're trying to get people to be alive mm-hmm. when they're out of the car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned before, um, and I just think it's just an interesting point. That's when I knew I wasn't a bad mom. She didn't make a bad decision <laughs> going to the party, all these things. Mm-hmm. And what I heard from that was part of the puzzle, which is it's all related, right? It doesn't mean that going to the party or you allowing them 
was mm-hmm. the reason. But I think if we're looking at this through God's eyes, right? Because this is, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about God. This is a God podcast type of thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We are living in a world where people are absolutely unconscious. They are walking around, not hearing, seeing, feeling the way that it was even 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. We have AI in our phones right now. Yep. People are listening to our conversation that aren't even listening, subscribe to the podcast, right? Yes, I'll probably get something on my phone related to whatever we talked about. Yeah, <laughs> yes. and, and, and some of that is actually really cool and interesting, but some of it isn't. Some of it isn't. Mm-hmm. And what you have this opportunity to do for your daughter, and you know, it's interesting because you said you felt her as soon as you guys hugged. And I don't know this guy from Adam. I don't know his name. I'm not here to represent him. I just hear a lot of stories about forgiveness. And so I'm I'm here to have both of us have a breakthrough about it. Maybe I can add one little piece to your puzzle today by saying that a line that my my one of my favorite teachers, I talk about her all the time on the podcast because she comes up a lot. She was in the Holocaust. Okay. Um, Shalom, her name was Rebison Esther Jung Rice. And she said, don't ever let somebody take up space in your head because they're not paying enough rent. Four foot five or something. Uh From Hungary. Mm -hmm. And when I hear you say, you know, sometimes I forget, but sometimes it's a process, but I'm more concerned about you not affecting your speaking. Mm -hmm. And when you get up to speak, you are representing humanity. Mm-hmm. She was an angel, obviously. She was mm-hmm. not supposed to be here for very long, apparently. Mm-hmm. And she's here. She was here to teach us about not just safety, but how to live our lives so that this doesn't happen again. When totally. I was living in Beverly Hills, every night at between 11 p.m. and 2 in the morning, I would hear, <laughs> and I would be scared shaking in my bed because I go to bed pretty early mm-hmm. and I'd start to shake because I could feel as an empathetic person, mm-hmm. somebody's breaking the law right now and no mm-hmm. one's watching. No one's watching. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when Carly, our mutual friend told me about her brother, how he was just stopped at a stoplight. He was just stopped at a stoplight and instantly died because of the same exact thing. Yeah. I don't think about, the safety of the car. I think about the mental health of the person behind the wheel who did it. Correct. So I would love to be able to help you when you're out there, speak to people about mental health. It's something that I'm yes. an advocate for. And I deal with mental health as everyone knows who's listening now, who joins me on clubhouse every week, three ways. I'm not against medication, but I always say, even if you're on medication, (laughs) see if you can do this in addition to, or instead of, if your doctor allows it, prayer, meditation, and creativity. There's so much that we have access to. I mean, also eating healthy, physical exercise, Mm -hmm. religion, having a community to go to every week, a few times a week. Mm -hmm. We live in such an isolated universe right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about the solutions, but I just find it so riveting to hear your story. I think that you are so courageous to be able to have made this part of your life's purpose. 
And I do think that you'll be connected to her forever through your oh, love. Yeah. Oh, totally. So I, I, I totally agree. And, um, and then to be honest with you, I don't always think about, about him. I, most of the time it's just her and I, I forget, you know, it's a rarely, uh, little things that come, but most of the time it's just us. And now that you were talking to me about God, uh, I work for a Jewish doctor, you know, as a, a Dr. Moshek, my, my hernia specialist. And, um, so there was a, a, a rabbi that would go at least once a month and, uh, he knew me really well. Actually, he wanted me to convert and marry me because I was single. And he goes, Lily, you have to convert one day. He was so sweet because they, they, he wanted me to get married because he knew me for so many years and I was single, right? And then one day he comes in. It was when she had just passed away. And uh, he looks at me. He goes, are you okay, my dear? And I'm like, no. Because I was always very bubbly, you know? And he goes, can I help you with anything? And I go, Yes. And he goes, how can I help you? I go, can you help me regain my faith in God? So he took me to the back. We went to one of the uh, examination rooms and we sat there. And I forgot so many things we talked about. And um, amazing, amazing man, amazing man. And uh, he told me something. Rabbi what? Rabbi Rafi, I don't remember his name. Gosh, but at the time I knew. Okay, you have to find out. Name. But um, so he just um, uh, told me, tell you something, and this is what really, really helped me keep going on my life. He goes, we all have a life expand. So God knows when we're born and God knows when we're going to die. That was her life expand. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a reason for that that you and I don't know yet. That was it. He gave me some peace. He gave me some peace. I am not kidding. I feel like, now that I feel good, that she, I mean, it was just, I don't know, whatever, the way he just said it to me. And I went on. And then little by little was when everything developed and developed and developed. And this organization that grew that I didn't even plan for. And, her and I together and, and doing everything that I've done that I never ever thought I could do, be a speaker and do this and create programs and become everything that I've done. Um, it just grew, you know what I mean? And I just inhaled it all and took it all, you know? And um, I said, God, if this is the way that you are allowing me to have her, I'm blessed beyond belief from any other parent that was such help. You're allowing me to have her this way, how blessed I am to have her this way every day, every day. That's why I call her the boss. She's the boss. She's my boss. And she was bossy when she was a teenager. She's still bossing me around to today. That's my vow. Well, that same Rebbitson I just told you about, Esther Young Rice used to say that when someone passes away, they're right here. They're actually closer than when they're in their human form because there's no ego. They're just love. That's all God is. And yes. so it's really none of our business as much as we'd like it to be. <laughs> get to say when someone should be alive and shouldn't be and who's yes. false and what. <laughs> there are miracles <laughs> that happen sometimes where someone is in a fatal crash and they walk out with no you know, oh, stitches. At all. Clearly, all. you can mm-hmm. rest assured that if someone's not here anymore, they're they're with they're with Hashem. I say Hashem with God. They're yes. in the oneness. See one beautiful soul. We're all connected. 
Yes. You and me are connected. Even that boy, Brian, we're all, we're all one, whether we like it or not. Yeah. (laughs) It's the ego. It's the, I don't deserve this. It's not fair. Mm -hmm. This isn't right. This isn't just all of that is what separates us. And yet sometimes you have to say it. Sometimes you say, how dare you get into a car without a seatbelt? How dare you get into yeah. a car this late at night and look over? You, you get to say it in the moment and then you get to learn and you get to say, okay, what did we, what's the, what are the puzzle pieces and how do we put them together and how are we going to go forward? Yes. I agree. Thank you for being an educator. No, Thank you for having so much courage to keep going. I can't stop crying. <laughs> um <laughs> These are the moments that make me remember why, why I do this. I don't make any money from this podcast. I am here because I really care about humanity. No, and it, I, 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 I care about humanity too. So I thought because <laughs> we do, right? Is this? We never know why we have this mission in life, right? And why we do it, and why it means much to us. And I feel exactly like you're saying, you know, when I talk, I have a diversion program and I get all these bad boys that the court says to me, they're out there doing crazy stuff. And I don't see them as bad thugs, criminals. I want to mentor them. I want to help them move on. I want to, I care about parents. I don't want them to do that to their parents. I told them, don't make your mama cry. Don't you dare make your mama cry forever. You know, um, so it's, uh, and you're right, it's this, this love for humanity. I don't know why we have it. And I think that you're very blessed that you have it, and that I'm very blessed that we have it. Yeah. So I, thank you for what you're doing as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. How can we support your cause? How can we get in touch with you? What's the new name of the organization? Tell us mm-hmm. all the ways we can get in, in touch with you. So it's, uh, like I said, right to the point, streetracingkills.org. And you can see all my programs, everything that, that we do. You want us to come to your community and go to your schools, do a community event for awareness. We're more than happy to go there. If you know anybody that's been to a, a, a crash, traffic fatality, we're there for them. We're there to mentor, to help, and just stand by their side and help them through the process. So just happy to do what I can. It's my passion now. It's my life, you know, and I, I embrace it. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And I want to give you a big blessing that, you always feel her with you. You always know how important you are to this cause and to humanity and you keep going. And I am so grateful and honored that you stopped by so that we could get to hang out for a minute and talk about how to change the world for the better. (laughs) It's amazing. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I would love to get my Friends that have lost someone uh, that are grieving right now, they're having a hard time to have them come to your butterflies. And I will be there as well. So if you can send it. Yes, you're going to be in it. What a powerful episode, am I right? Oh my gosh. So much to say about this episode. Instead of doing nuggets of wisdom, I am going to do some reflections and just kind of summarize some of the really important key points. First of all, I want to applaud Lily for being so courageous and brave and so vulnerable and sharing things that not every parent might share when confronted with this situation, this amount of time to deal with it. And also 
I just want to say how moved I am by her courage to be in this moment and take the feedback that I gave her and, and really reflect on, am I forgiving? What, what does forgiveness mean? Especially when it comes to this particular situation, I was just so blown away by her and her courage and her vulnerability. And I just want to applaud her for that. Secondly, I think that it goes without saying that we have to be very, very cognizant of what we do behind the wheel. So I'm talking to myself as well when it comes to being distracted, looking at other people outside of our vehicles, and just being present in general with how we're transporting ourselves, how our children and loved ones are transporting themselves, and making sure to be as careful as we possibly can while still being present and in the moment. I'm sure there are some of you right now who are reflecting on Every time you allow your children to go inside of a car, a plane, a train, or even take a walk with someone else and how valuable it is to kind of just go through some key points about how we're getting where we're going and is everyone mentally well uh, behind the wheel and also the passengers in the car or the passengers in the train or the plane, whoever we're going with. Is everyone coherent? Is everyone able to make good decisions? These are things that not everybody thinks about uh, when they're dropping off their kids to go somewhere or allowing the permission for someone else to take our loved ones with them wherever they may be going. Also, just being around people going to different parties and what might be happening at the parties. Have you really checked in with your kids You know where they are who they're hanging out with, whoever you hang out with, does become part of you. So the five people that you spend the most time with, whatever their habits are, most likely you're going to develop those habits or take them on. And same thing with your children. These are conversations that are important to have uh, just in terms of child raising and also for yourself. You know, who, who am I spending time with and are they really capable of taking care of me? And am I, take, am I capable of taking care of them? If you'd like to make a donation to Street Racing Kills, you can go to streetracingkills.org and feel free to make a donation there to be in touch with Lily if you'd like. If you know someone who has been involved in some sort of accident in that way, introduce them to Lily and send an email to her. She's very approachable. And also at the end when she talks about having her friend sign up for my butterflies, what she means is uh, the course that I do I have an intro group on Facebook called Break Open and Create, and the logo has butterflies on it. So feel free to join that as well. And on Wednesdays, we talk about Wellness Wednesday. We had one today, and it happens to be a Wednesday uh, in late August of 2022. Um, but usually on Wednesdays, I will be in that group. It's a You're welcome to join it on Facebook. It's a private group called Break Open and Create. Um, and on Wellness Wednesdays, we talk about mental wellness as well as what's in your well. What is it that you'd like to create more of in your life? What's holding you back? And starting on September 8th, which is just in a couple weeks, I am going to be starting another cohort of my online course. This time it is called Making Space for the Magical. You can sign up by going to barbheller.com backslash join. That's www.barbheller.com backslash join. And you can join me in my new group that is starting 
in just a couple of weeks, September 8th, and we'll be meeting about once a week uh, for eight to 10 weeks, and you will complete a wonderful creative project. You will heal things that you haven't healed in a long time. You're going to feel great. You're going to make new friends, and you are going to get on the other side of your stories. And the reason why I say stories is because multiple stories come up because you're going to have lots of different writing prompts and wonderful activities to heal from. If you know somebody with a great story about forgiveness, failure, or freedom, please share them with us. If you learned something new or feel like something from this episode could inspire someone else, please share the episode on your Facebook page or Instagram and tag that person and tag us too. You can find all of our social medias, drop us a note, or join our newsletter at www.c1beautifulsoul.com. Please don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you hear podcasts. May we all choose to look for the light in ourselves and each other in all ways, always. Always.